بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ چنائی از دا آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا فورٹی ایٹ نائٹ لائف of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu and the last thing I mentioned was the report in which Abu Huraira radiyallahu he clarified to the residents of Damascus that Salat al-Wusta was the Asr prayer and I should have mentioned that in the time of the Prophet himself sallallahu alayhi wasallam, during the battle of the trench they missed the Asr prayer due to the intensity of the siege. And Umar radiyallahu, he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was grieving. He goes, I missed Salat al-Asr, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill the graves of the Jews with fire. I have also missed Salat al-Wusta. So this is the relevant part in the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari. So there's two things worthy of note. So it clearly indicates it was Salat al-Asr. Salat al-Wusta is Salat al-Asr. But why did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mention May Allah ta'ala fill the graves of the Jews with fire? So the scholars explain that the battle of the trench was instigated by the mischievous Jews. So what's amazing, you got the unholy allies who were trying to destroy Islam. There was no Jews amongst them. But Rasulullah, when he got angry, he only got angry for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he missed Asr, he explained, this is Salat al-Wusta. But then he explained who is responsible for this mess. And it was the Jews. So even though the allies were coming, it was the Jews who had instigated it. The other noteworthy point is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he never got angry for himself. In the battle of Uhud, he was very seriously injured. He fell into the ditch. And yet he still said, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive my people for they do not know what they are doing. This is in Sayyid Muslim. And yet in the battle of the trench, he got angry. And the response is, in the battle of Uhud, it was his own being that was harmed. So he always forgave for this. But when it came to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would get furious. So This shows how angry he became when he missed when he missed the Asr prayer. And the lesson here is if if it's personal, you shouldn't get angry. And if it's for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you should get angry. And yet to not act upon that is sad. But to reverse it is unforgivable. People don't get angry for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when it's personal, they even say it. Now it's personal. And the response is, this is not the Sharia, this is complete opposite of the Sharia. So all of that I should have mentioned yesterday. So moving on, I with regards to Abu Huraira's words of wisdom. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he would thus frequently be seen exhorting others to acquire the sacred knowledge, sometimes in the most unusual but most effective ways. So this narration is recorded in Tabarani in his Ausat, Targheeb 1-66 Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid 1-124 stated Hassan Hayat al Sahaba, volume 4 page 556 of the New English Translation 
Hasan al-Basri rahmatullahi aleyhi said, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu, he once happened to pass by the market of Al-Madina. He paused, I on observing how keen the people were in their transactions. He suddenly called out, O people of the market, what has made you so helpless? The people turned to him and said, O Abu Huraira, what do you mean? Abu Huraira said, Rasulullah's heritage is being distributed and you are all here in the marketplace. Why don't you also go so as to take your share as well? The people then asked, where is it being distributed, O Abu Huraira? He replied, the masjid. Swapping the report. So you can picture the scene. Abu Huraira is in the market, Radiallah. And when people are doing business, you notice they are they are literally in the zone. So that should be the case in worship. But how sad that people observe this outside, i.e., with regards to worldly matters. So this is probably what triggered Abu Huraira. And then he said, What's the matter with you? Because Rasulullah's heritage is being distributed and you're all here. Why don't you take your shares? Because where is it being distributed? Because the masjid. Accordingly, the people all rushed to the masjid. And Sayyidina Abu Huraira remained standing in the marketplace waiting for them to return. <laughs> so imagine how strange the scene. Everybody's rushing to Masjid al Nabi. He's, he's standing. When the people later returned, Abu Huraira asked, Why did you return so quickly? So, like I mentioned, he was a very jovial person. What happened? They said, Abu Huraira, we all reached the masjid, we entered it, but we did not find anything being distributed. Sayyidina Abu Huraira then said, Did you not see anybody in the masjid? The people replied, Certainly, we saw people offering salah, reciting the Quran, and others were discussing the halal and haram. Why are you asking about this? Abu Huraira responded, Shame upon you all. Is that not indeed Rasulullah's inheritance? <laughs> Shame on you all. Is that not indeed Rasulullah's inheritance? So look how beautiful. Was Abu Huraira deceiving them? No, he wasn't. Why? Because there's a famous report. In Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu We, salam, do not leave behind dinars or dirhams, but we leave behind knowledge. Thus, whoever accumulates it has accumulated a great deal of good. So Rasulullah clearly mentioned that, that the prophets don't leave behind anything as inheritance in terms of worldly uh, material goods, but they leave behind knowledge. If you acquire the knowledge, the Prophet said, you've acquired a great good, khayrun kathir. In another report in Abu Dawood Sayyid, the Prophet said, Ulama warithatul anbiya, the scholars are the inheritors of the Prophets. And the Prophets do not leave behind dinars or dirhams, they leave behind knowledge. So, what did the Prophet say? The Prophet's legacy 
or their inheritance for want of a better word is knowledge. And what's the fruits of knowledge? Worship. So Abu Huraira when he said to the people in this report, Rasulullah's inheritance is being distributed, he wasn't lying, obviously. He was talking about the knowledge and the fruits of the knowledge. But they thought it was maybe his blessed hair or his miswag, the stuff, relics. When they got there, obviously they were disappointed. When Abu Huraira goes, what did you see in the masjid? And what did they say? And this is how the masjid should be. We saw people offering salah, reciting the Quran and discussing the halal and haram, meaning people were worshipping. They were reciting Quran, offering salah, discussing what you know the rulings of Islam. Because that is the inheritance. In other words, I invited you there. So now question. Why didn't Abu Huraira just tell him that? He could have just said to the people in the market, why are you so keen on business transactions and you've got no desire to learn? Would that have had an impact? So this is how he brilliantly worked with people's psyches. You know, he thought, and you can, that's why he paused. When you're looking at them initially, he thought, how can I get these people to think? And look how beautiful. And this isn't like a tale. It really happened. So what do we learn? The people of Al-Madinah, did they venerate Abu Hurair? Think about that. They didn't just say, oh, here he is again. Look how much look they had. They trusted him. As soon as he said something, they didn't say, let's just verify that first. <laughs> they all rushed to the market. I mean, they all rushed to Masjid al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa But when they came back, they came back quick. Why? Because they thought, obviously they knew that he wasn't lying, but they, they misunderstood. Because that was the inheritance. In other words, you should be eager, more eager for that than you are for your worldly transactions. <laughs> And this is beautifully highlighting the famous hadith which I've mentioned again and again. The Prophet wasallam said two types of people can never be satisfied. Talibul ilm or talibul dunya. Two people of people can never be satisfied. The, the students of knowledge and the students or the seekers of the world. But the danger in this hadith, Sayyid hadith in Bayhaqi, they can never be satisfied. So the danger is when you are looking for the world, it will never satiate you. The Prophet said it. You get a grand, you want another grand. You get 10 grand, you want 20 grand. You want 100 grand, you want 200. You'll never be satiated because the world is insatiable. Isa wasalam, he said uh, in Al-Bidayah, the one who tries to quench himself with the world is like the one who is thirsty and he drinks from the sea. Meaning there's salt in the sea. So he thinks there's plenty of water. I just need a bit to quench my thirst. But when he drinks it, he doesn't realize there's something in it that makes you more thirsty. Mm. Right? It's an illusion. So that's the world. You think, yeah, if I get all this. No, because there's something in it. Isa says that you need to know that will never make you satisfied. Very famous hadith in Sayyid Bukhari. The Prophet said, if the son of Adam had a valley of gold, he would want another valley. Now what shocked me when I heard that hadith, the Prophet didn't mention dinars and dirhams. He mentioned something that's impossible. Which person has got a value of gold? You know, think about that. You can't, I can't even think about any person who had that. Can you think of anybody in history who had a value of gold? You know, blocks of gold, yes, okay, we got you know value of gold. But even with that hypothetical, the Prophet said, it won't satisfy you. You want another valley of gold. Because only the dust that caves into the stomach in his grave 
will satisfy it. Now, why is that interesting? Because the first thing to de- decompose is the lid cage and the stomach and it collapses. And the Prophet said, when the dust enters the stomach, then finally you're satisfied. So that is with regards to dunya, meaning it's, it's a wretched aim in a person's life. It's like a fool's gold. But when it comes to knowledge, it's the same. But it's a noble pursuit. You're never satisfied. So Abu Huraira was beautifully highlighting this. Indeed, Sayyidina Abu Huraira, he would become visibly vexed when he saw even hesitation on the application of divine commands. So this is very strange to us. How many things do we get into our life immediately? And you've got to be honest. Virtually nothing. You have to hear it ten times, hundred times, even thousands before finally you think, I need to get that into my life. This is just normal now. This was such a pristine environment that if they didn't get it into their lives immediately, Sahabu would get vexed. So here's an example. So this narration is in Sayyid Muslim, number 1609. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu he relates that Abu Dhabi Messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa no one should prevent his neighbor from fixing a beam in his wall. Abu Huraira noticing the people's aversion to this, he said, what is this that I see your aversion? Wallahi la'armiyanna biha bayna aktafikum by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I will certainly continue to throw it between your shoulders. SubhanAllah. So let's look at this. So in Sayyid Muslim, what was the hadith he quoted from the Prophet Don't stop your neighbor from putting a beam in your wall. So like you say, a washing line. If he wants to put a, like a line on your wall, let him put the, the nail in. Because don't stop him. Look how interesting. Abu Huraira looked at the people and this, he saw a version. You know, you think, oh, I don't know about that. When he saw the aversion, what did he say? What's this aversion? Mm-hmm. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will certainly continue to throw it between your shoulders. Meaning, I'm going to narrate you the hadith again. Mm-hmm. Why are you finding repulsion mm-hmm. with the command of the Prophet? So Imam Nawi, he mentioned the ruling here, which is important. So in Sharh Sayyid Muslim, Imam Nawi Rahmatullah he said, This injunction is not binding, but it is excellent to do so, it assures a great reward. So that's the ruling. So is it compulsory for us to or be forbidden to stop the neighbor to put you know a washing line and nail into our fence or our wall? It's not forbidden. You can say, you know, respectfully, please, please, you know, if you don't mind, could you put the line somewhere else? Mm. But Imam Nawi said, it is excellent. You will get a great reward. Mm. So this is the ruling. So even though the hadith seems to indicate an obligation, it's not an obligation, according to Imam Nawi. But leaving that to one side, was Abu Huraira concerned about that? And what's interesting, they didn't, obviously, they haven't got time to act upon it. They just heard the report. But he saw it in the, you know, in their facial expressions. And he got really upset. He said, I'm going to throw this in your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So this is actually a sunnah of Abu Huraira. If you notice a person has a problem with a certain command, it's actually a sunnah to respectfully remind him of that every now and again. Mm-hmm. 
right? And somebody could say, oh, stop booking him, but you've told him. He goes, my example, who's your example? Right? Because I'm going to keep throwing it in him. Why? Because when you hear the Qala Rasulullah, you're a Muslim. So you should think, why am I getting aversion to this? This is a command of the Prophet. You know, think about that. Isn't that kind of a type of kufr reaction? You know, Muslims should think straight away, okay, it's difficult. I submit to it. Inshallah, I'm going to get it into my life. And if you don't, you'll feel grief. That's the normal reaction. So note again here, the level of piety that he was expecting. Those, it is from the sunnah to help, accommodate, and aid one's neighbors. This is another lesson. So don't, you know, just help them out. You know, there's actually a hadith. And a man came to the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah, how do I know if I'm good? So the Prophet said, if your neighbors say you are good, then you are good. So this is the rough meaning of the hadith. The scholars point out, this is depending upon the piety of the neighbors. <laughs> obviously, if you've got crazy neighbors and you say, what do you think of them? They are dead. <laughs> so obviously, listen, the Prophet is referring to decent understanding neighbors. Why? Because you can't hide failings from the neighbors. They're, always, you know, they're, they're basically part of your family. This is why the Prophet said, I thought they were going to inherit. Right? But Allah didn't reveal the command. So this shows again, you know, how far we're from the teachings, you know, in terms of, you know, the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he once specifically told Abu Huraira radiallahu La yazaluna yas'alunaka ya Abu Huraira hatta yakulu hadallah faman khalaqallah they will constantly ask you, O Abu Huraira radiyallahu, till they will ask, well, there is Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, but after all, who created Allah? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So stop in the report. So what a strange thing the Prophet told Abu Huraira, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He goes, they will constantly ask you, Abu Huraira, and that's true, because he was the most senior narrator. And he goes, until they're going to ask you this question. Now think about it. Which person in his right mind is going to ask this question? If he's a Muslim. There is Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَمَنْ خَلَقَ اللَّهِ But after all, who created Allah? So Abu Huraira has heard this. The report continues. Abu Huraira then said, Radiyallah, Once we were in the masjid, and some of the Bedouins came there and asked, "Hatta yakulu Allah Allah." Well, there is Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala. But who created Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala? He then took up some pebbles and flung it at the Bedouin, saying, "Kumu, kumu, sadaka khalili, sadaka khalili." Get up, get up and leave. For my beloved friend has always spoke the truth. This is in Sahih Muslim, number 349, in the chapter on Iman. So look how amazing. The Prophet told Sallallahu Abu Huraira something. He must have found it hard to believe, thinking, who's going to ask me that? There's Allah. But then who created him? And guess who, who were the ones? It was the Bedouins. Meaning they were Muslims. And they asked, and look at the wording. The Prophet's wording was absolutely precise. They didn't even change a full stop or comma. 
let him seek refuge with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stop i such foolish thoughts this is in sahih muslim number 345 346 in the chapter on iman so what's beautiful non clarification this whispering is from shaitan meaning he's trying to deceive you trip you up so he first starts off by saying who created this so obviously you're going to say allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created this the final question he asks is and who created allah mm-hmm. rasulullah said say a'udhu billah stop mm-hmm. don't go further with this mm-hmm. in another report abu huraira radiyallahu anhu our beloved messenger added sallallahu alayhi wasallam whoever experiences any of that let him say amantu billah i believe in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is in sahih muslim number 343 in the chapter on iman so another comment you get that whisper So you say, "Amantu billah." I believe in Allah. Meaning, forgive me for having this thought. Mm-hmm. I believe in you, O oh my Lord. And in another report, there's the additional wording: "Warusuli and his messengers." Alayhi salatu wasalam. This is in Sahih Muslim, number three hundred and forty-four, in the chapter on Iman. So you say, "Amantu billah, warusuli." I believe in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and His messengers. Alayhi salatu wasalam. Mm-hmm. And in another report, it mentions. that a man from iraq had asked him this question upon which abu huraira put his fingers into his ears and he said aloud sadaqallahu wa rasuluhu allahul wahidus samad lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yaqul lahu kufuwan ahad allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam spoke the truth allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one the self sufficient master whom all creatures need He begets none, nor was he begotten, and there is none comparable to him. This is in Ahmed in his Musnad number nine thousand and twenty-seven with a Sahih general transmission. So now all of these reports are helping to explain. So this is a satanic whisper. Who created that star? Who created this galaxy? Who created that Milky Way? And finally, when you keep when you keep saying Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Shaitan will whisper, "Who created Allah?" Because everything is created. So Rasulullah told us to do a few things. First, he say "Aoudh Billah," or he say "Aoudh Billahi Min Ash-Shaitan Al-Rajim." I seek refuge, protection with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala from the accursed Shaitan. Then you say "Amantu Billahi Wa Rasulih." I believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and His Messenger, Allahu Salatu Wassalam. Then you can add "Sadaqallahu Wa Rasuluh." 
الله الواحد الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد so it's surah ikhlas with a slight addition all of that is to response to the whisper of shaitan so now why is this a satanic whisper now first of all was interesting the scholars so sheikh hamza yusuf he mentioned something very interesting and he said i don't know where he was in the muslim world but he was in one of the countries and he goes we pulled over into a, a gas station we call it a petrol station he pulls over and there's a gas attendant there and he sees sheikh hamza and sheikh hamza is mentioning he goes by my clothing he he had an inkling that i was learned so he approached me he gave me salam i returned the salam and then he goes i'm a student of sacred knowledge he speaking arabic and he goes but something's bugging me so sheikh hamza goes what's bugging you if i can help i'll share it with you so the gas attendant goes i'm getting these thoughts allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this created that and i've now got this thought who created allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so sheikh hamza he goes i mentioned the hadith i go this is from shaitan he goes when i said it he goes i could i could see in his eyes a huge weight had been lifted from him he goes you i could see it literally you know, physically because he looked so down when i told him he goes he looked like you know the, the a mountain had been relieved and he goes he thanked me he goes profusely and he goes this is the effects of knowledge and he goes this was a student of knowledge and he goes look where allah taala gave him that in a gas station and he goes i pulled up as if allah taala was saying give him the answer so now this is not just a bedouin people have this now what's interesting let's just finish with this sheikha a halwa she relates in her work secrets of divine love page 20 so this is now explaining why this is a why this is a satanic trap so the sheikha she said time matter and space are seen as a continuum in that they came into existence simultaneously so what's the first thing the sheikha says and this is what science is now you know accepted time matter and space didn't come about after gradual periods of time they all came at the same time time matter and space happened at the same time then the sheikh said for if you had matter but not space then where would you put the matter i for there would be no space for it so what she doing she's breaking it down to our level, to my level kindergarten right that's what they do scholars they go up there you know these guys are asleep they go down to kindergarten we wake up oh yeah if you had matter but not space then where would you put the matter does that make sense similarly if you had matter but not time then where would you place it i for there is no time to place it within those since time matter and space were all seemingly created together then whatever created the universe must by definition transcend all limitations 
of the created world of forms. I must not have been limited by these three creations. Since God subhanahu wa ta'ala is eternal and has no beginning, then we can reason that he would have no creator. For there was no moment in which God subhanahu wa ta'ala was not present to have thus been created. Thus he alone is the uncreated creator and without him nothing would have been created. So what is he talking about? He's talking about this hadith. When shaitan goes, everything created, who created Allah? She's now taking what science, and you've got to give him credit, science obviously messes up every now and again, but sometimes they bang on the mark. They've worked out something correct. Time, matter and space came into existence at the same time. Otherwise, there would be no existence. Therefore, the one who created time, matter and space He's not limited by it. Mm-hmm. He's outside of that parameter. Mm-hmm. So when you say who created God, it really becomes a nonsensical question. Mm-hmm. Similarly, the learned Sheikha, A. Helwa, in her work, Secrets of Divine Love, page 317 of the work, quoting, If you went back non-stop forever, mm-hmm. the universe could never have come into existence. For by definition, you cannot traverse the distance of infinity. This is why Islamic theology posits that God, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is eternal and uncreated. For otherwise, you would run into the problem of infinite regress. I.e. this came from this, and then that came from this, etc. forever. And hence this world would thus have never been created, i.e. for the first domino would never have fallen mm-hmm. to start the whole process of creation. Mm-hmm. So the Sheikha looks at it from another angle. The Sheikha says, infinite regress. These are very common terms for the you know, philosophers. <laughs> but what does it mean? If you say this was created by that, this created by that, you got two possibilities now. You go on forever. What's the problem with that? It's limitless. So if it goes on forever, what would happen? Never end. No end. Let's go back into kindergarten mode, right? If this created this, this created this, and it goes on forever, would anything be created? Because there's no end. So when something happens, the first domino has to be from a starting point. So that has to be nonsensical. It's it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. But the second scenario, therefore, must be the truth. Yes, it goes on. But it stops at something which is independent. And therefore, he starts the first domino which creates the creation eventually. Mm. The fact that I'm here talking here, observing and listening and seeing who started the process. Mm. So the Sheikha is saying, if you went back non-stop forever, the universe could never have come into existence. For by definition, you cannot traverse the distance of infinity. Mm. Because it's illogical. Mm. Then finally, to finish, 
the learned Sheikh also clarified on page 20 of the same book from nothing nothing comes after all nothing and nothing will never give you one <laughs> so what's beautiful about her clarification she's going up and down she starts off going up then she comes down then she goes up again then she comes down and then finally she comes out with the bozo statement for everybody <laughs> what do you get from nothing you get nothing if you add nothing forever nothing and nothing and nothing what, what is what's the answer nothing so because you never get one so what was she talking about the same hadith who created Allah nonsensical because then it goes on forever he has to stop and the stopping point is Al-Haq i.e. the truth subhanahu wa ta'ala but note the Prophet didn't go into all that he just gave you the answer believe and don't go further with regards to this matter subhanahu wa so all I mentioned today was again a few of the blessed words of wisdom of the great Abu Huraira radiallahu and note priceless knowledge he passed on to one and all. Mm. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanallahumma bihamdi ka ishtu alayhi lakha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alaykum wa bidullahi wa shaitan jim subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati wa rabbil izzati wa rabbil izzati wa rabbil izzati wa rabbil izzati الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والأصل من سنة الفتاة الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصلاة